This is Power Players with Dan Clark. This is a podcast interview with Jill McCluskey, the mother of murdered University of Utah co-ed Lauren McCluskey. Welcome to Power Players with Dan Clark, former athlete, Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times bestselling author, and high-performance coach. Where each week, I bring you an inspiring message from an extraordinary human being who will share their secrets on how you can tap into your personal power to become everything you were born to be. Thanks for spending some time with me today. In this episode, my dear friend Jill McCluskey, a Washington State University professor whose daughter Lauren was gunned down by her ex-boyfriend in the parking lot outside her college dorm room here at the University of Utah, shares Lauren's incredible life as an award-winning athlete, record-setting track star, and the details of this horrific murder caused by a, a lackadaisical campus security response. This interview is especially dear to my heart because sweet Lauren was a student in my class at the University of Utah where I taught public speaking, advanced public speaking, with the job to create a safe environment where we could show our vulnerability and really talk to each other about what mattered most and relationships and trust and service before self were at the top of Lauren's list. Her mother, Jill, gives us suggestions on how to keep our children safe, advocating for the Lauren McCluskey Foundation that raises awareness with solutions that have, that have taken hold in university and college campuses across the country. And so my introduction of Jill McCluskey is not just as a professor, not just as a very smart and intelligent and ambitious professional woman, but as the mother of Lauren McCluskey. Welcome to my program, my friend. Happy to be here. And I have to say that she loved your class and it really inspired her and it made her happy, gave her joy and made <clears throat> her want to do more public speaking. Oh, she was so extraordinary in her soft-spoken, graceful, yet intense way. You know, I I, I shared, I, I, I felt compelled to write a, a tribute to Lauren to make sure the world knew who she was and what I experienced in our short friendship as a, as a professor student. Um, and, and in that, in that tribute, I found a quote by Terry Pratchett that I think is why I've, I've wanted you to be on my, my program and why this interview is not just important, but it's, it's sacred to do what we both need to do to keep the memory of Lauren alive. Terry Pratchett said, quote, no one is finally dead until the ripples they cause in the world die away, until the clock wound up winds down, until the wine she made has finished its ferment, until the crop they planted is harvested. The span of someone's life is only the core of their actual existence. Again, Terry Pratchett. So let's take a moment here and please, from a mother's perspective, tell the world about about what made Lauren so extraordinary and what made her so special as a human being, not just as a student athlete. Well, Lauren, uh, Lauren was a very hard worker. And as you said, she always put other people first and would, would, she was very sensitive to other people's feelings and always thought about others. 
she, from a very young age, she worked very hard at at her sports and was a 19-time uh, All-American in USA Track and Field Outdoor Athletics and won some national championships in AU Youth Track and Field. And so she earned a scholarship at the University of Utah. She was so excited to go there. And then she uh, took her took her academics just as seriously and um, and was a was a multiple time dean list dean's list student. Uh, but then her her friends and her relationships were so important. She she cared about. She had all sorts of different friends from uh, from disabled kids to you know to the um, to the other track athletes, she always just cared about other people, and uh, and I love your quote about the ripples that she inspires me to to work hard and to and to care about other people and and show kindness the way that the way that she did. So when I think about her, I think about her light shining, and. I try to do that to have her light shine through me through kindness. If I, I try to be more like her. Yes, ma'am. So as part of our joint mission, and I want to invite everyone again, within the sound of my voice to participate in helping you raise funds for the Lauren McCluskey foundation and to support your causes in honor of Lauren. Can you take us back to the circumstances of of what happened with the with the understanding that we've got to we've got to discuss how the system failed what what happened so that we can start finding some solutions and do our part as as caring parents of uh, I have three daughters Jill I just that's why I wept oh my gosh so can you take us back and just kind of share the backstory of of Lauren, and then what happened that tragic night on October 22nd, 2018? Yes. So uh, Lauren had met a had met a man, and uh, and he asked her. She was very trusting, of, saw the best in people, and he asked her to be his girlfriend. And he lied to her about his name and his age and his criminal history. And then when she found out about that, she broke up with him. And uh, and and then he started. He he actually when she broke up with him, he actually imprisoned her in her dorm room. She um, she got rid of him by lending her his lending him her car. We uh, I I and she both called the police about. Uh, we were concerned for her safety to get her car back because he wanted to give it back to her in a parking lot by herself. And then she got the car back, but uh, but it was only that the call was routed to security, not to the police, even though we called the police. And so the police didn't know about it. Then a couple days later, uh, he started harassing her and extorting her and she started reporting that to the police. She had many, many calls to the police. She told them that he was on parole. He never, they never, uh, they never uh, investigated 
or, or helped her. She called the, this was the campus police. She called the Salt Lake City police because she wasn't getting any help. The Salt Lake City police only routed her back to the campus police since she lived in an on-campus apartment. And, uh, and then on the, on the day that she was, on the day that she was murdered, she, uh, he tried to lure her out of her, out of her apartment with a, with a fake text. She called the police officer that she'd been working with three different times. He finally got back to her and just told her that was, that is a fake text. Don't follow it, but did not do anything about it. Then that night, as she was returning to her, to her, uh, to her apartment, she was speaking with me on the phone and she was ambushed and um, he drugged her to a car and shot her seven times and killed her. Mm -hmm. And it was so, only, only afterwards that they, and then within 40 minutes or 30 minutes of her, of her death, then they figured out he was on parole, contacted his parole officer. It would have only taken a few minutes to do that. Prior to her 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 death, they could have yes. they could have circumvented the entire situation. It was very preventable. And especially when, especially when he's on parole and he violates the parole, that means he would have gone back and been incarcerated and been taken off the streets, out of the university campus, and taken Lauren out of danger. Exactly, and she gave them all the she gave them all the evidence they needed to do that. And they didn't really, the reason that, and we have filed a lawsuit and the reason we've done that is because they weren't taking her seriously and they have never admitted responsibility or, or account, have never taken accountability for their, for their uh, mistakes. Exactly. And as I became mixture of anger and disbelief when you and your husband wrote that op-ed outing the University of Utah's response when President Ruth Watkins came out and claimed that in an independent investigation, their conclusion was that the University of Utah could have done nothing to prevent her murder. And I can't even imagine how that made you feel. Talk to us about how do you how do you deal with news? How do you deal with the situation in that moment? Caring, concerned mother. Well, actually, that statement from Ruth Watkins that sort of turned. I I thought that they were trying to get to the bottom of the problem and make things better, and that just seemed like they were trying to cover it up and and avoid any liability. And so that sort of turned our relationship. Uh, when she said that, it just really made me, it made me physically ill. My stomach just started hurting and I, I just couldn't believe that, that they, that that was the report said that. And is that when you filed the lawsuit to bring attention? Obviously, if it's just a small lawsuit, it, it garners no attention, but because your motivation is to increase awareness to fix campus safety. Teach us about the, 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 the underlying reasons why you filed the lawsuit 
and why it's so critically important that you win this lawsuit? Well, the lawsuit was really a last resort. We we wanted to work with them and to and to make things better, and and we weren't getting any any traction. And actually, I was asking for change, and uh, Ruth Watkins stopped um, responding to my emails. So so we did uh, talk with an attorney, and it's a and it's a Title IX lawsuit, and that it's really. Uh, gender discrimination based on uh, that they did not take a woman's uh, claims uh, request for help or report seriously. And so this is so important for, for not just, you know, not just Lauren and the University of Utah, but for all, but for especially daughters at all universities that we, that we need to investigate and respond with urgency when a when a young woman is requesting help and is is basically putting forward signs that of um, of domestic violence. Absolutely. So let's ask a, a, a question. Was do you think this was more of an individual police officer breakdown, or is it is or is it a system? breakdown? Is it a breakdown in the system? And can you kind of talk to us a little bit about that so we can get into what your ideas of how we can better the system, how we can fix what's broken? What do you think? An individual breakdown on one detective or is the whole system broken? I really think it was a system breakdown, even going up to the to the chief of police at the time who had been uh, received discipline for his own um, his own actions with with women at at the police in the police department there uh, there were many reports of even female police officers who were treated unfairly uh, other victims of um, victims of rape uh, there were many stories that came forward especially with the reporting of Courtney Tanner at the Salt Lake Tribune that uh, that they were if someone went forward to report rape, they were questioned about if they caused the rape, for example, by what they were wearing or if it really happened and not, not investigating, not investigating the actual, the actual crime. So uh, just so many cases like that. I had, um, I actually had a few mothers uh, reach out and contact me that um, that their daughters had been raped on campus, and that the uh, the the rapist was not caught, and that they weren't they weren't getting help. So I I think that it just needs to be taken so much more seriously, and with and responded to with with more urgency than it than it was. And I I think the new chief of police at the University of Utah is is much better. So I think that there are a lot of improvements. I think there, but I, I think that there's room for more improvement. And, exactly. and we want, I want to say also that I'm, that we are the, with the foundation, the Lauren McCluskey Foundation, one of the missions is, is campus safety and we're thinking nationally. So we're not, we're not only focused on University of Utah. 
University of Utah is where we're starting because that's where it broke down for Lauren. But um, we are thinking about this nationally. And um, this, is, this is a way for, this is one of the ways that I can try to make a positive out of something that's so painful and terrible. If, if we can help, you know, your daughters and, and, our, and the, the young women, you know, the children, the kids, the girls that, are, that, will, that will follow. Yeah, you know, in the midst of, of, you know, the rioting and the unrest, social unrest that's going on right now, triggered by uh, the death of that African-American man, uh, Mr. Floyd, in, in Minneapolis, you hear all kinds of rationalizations. And I agree, I have so many dear friends who are police officers and you know, let's just say 99% of police officers do their job and they're, they're character-based, you know, individuals with a moral North Star, moral compass. They're good human beings. But we can't say, well, there was just a bad cop. Because in my experience, Jill, you know, athletes, we can get it wrong. You know, um, newscasters, sportscasters, they can get it wrong. But there's certain professions that we can't afford to have 1% bad apples. Because I travel the world, Delta Airlines has about 6,000 planes take off and land every day. But here's my question. If Delta's maintenance department is running at 99% success efficiency, that means that if 1% of 6,000 flights every day is 60 planes taking off and landing, if 1% of those 6,000 flights crash every day, that's unacceptable. 1% failure rate is totally unacceptable. So when you put that on certain professions, especially police officers and detectives, we can't afford to have one bad cop. We can't afford to have one lapse and one breakdown when beautiful Lauren and you contact the department time and time and time again. And because of the lack of focus or the irresponsibility or, or the, the cavalier attitude towards young women as is coming out now in the, in the new breaking news about the detective who was just such a psychotic who was assigned to take care of Lauren. We can't afford to have one bad cop. We can't afford to have 1% breakdown. So what do you think we can do to improve the system? You said that the good place to start is with the new police chief. But what could we do as far as screening? What could we do as far as background checks? Because I've been pulled over by police officers and highway patrolmen who are gentlemen, and I have so much respect. My my little league baseball coaches, it was called the Cops League, and Officer Trost and Officer Wagaman were classy human beings. But I've also been pulled over by complete idiots that have no business wearing a badge and especially carrying a gun hiding behind that badge. So what can we do? What do you think, after these two years have gone by, what do you think we can, we can do to really improve every police department, especially on the college campuses? Yeah, so I, I think part of it is to actually 
recruit more female officers because uh, research has shown that that women are more likely to report and and female officers are more likely to take it seriously. So if there's even a little bit more of a mix of both male and female officers, I think that could help. Uh, it's you can have training, but um, Sometimes training doesn't work because it might not change the underlying attitudes. And maybe uh, when someone shows that they, you know, I'm not really sure. I it's something that it's something that we want to work on with with more research uh, with with experts in this area uh, about the best way to to screen and to uh, to put in place. Uh, disciplinary actions and maybe dismissals when when people show when officers show that reveal that they have these that they have these wrong attitudes and and or or even that they're predators yeah i i actually mm -hmm. view the the officer that lauren worked with as a predator yes ma'am so can we shift can we shift the focus for a moment my friend yes how are you you know, when we focus on Lauren, which we need to do, and when we focus on increasing campus safety, which we need to do, question is, my dear, how how are you dealing? And what what have you gone through? How how can we learn the lesson? And how could you share what you've gone through or what you've learned um, with other mothers, especially who have to deal with grief and the loss of of loved ones and and children? Well, I've been. Uh, it's it's often hard, and there are there are times when you know when I'm just fine, and that I'm I'm working at my job as a as a professor, and uh, but then there are times when it just uh, suddenly you're you're overcome with grief, and that that's part of it, and it will always be there, and. Um, you know, it's harder to. Um, it's it's just it's just harder. But you, I, I rely on friends and family, and um, I've uh, become become closer with them, and uh, and I'm amazed by so many uh, wonderful people who have given of themselves who have volunteered for our, for our foundation who who just care uh and it's it's amazing to uh the the wonderful kindness that so many people have shown us and and that helps and then i also have a faith in god which which helps too ma'am and the ongoing vigils that fellow track team members, fellow student athletes at the University of Utah continuously and sporadically hold in honor of Lauren to keep those ripples in her memory alive. It, it's it's powerful and it's important. So yeah, the the coaches, the track coaches and the team are just amazing and wonderful and 
one of her uh, one of her former um, teammates actually chose chose to go into um, to be a, a teacher and instructor for uh, surviving um, sexual assault, surviving strong, and actually teaching other uh, women how to how to fight off when being assaulted and to be and to be confident and not not to be scared. So it's oh, just well. amazing to to see that to see what people are doing. And to see the the rival um, fans in a rival stadium prior to the University of Utah keying it up against Brigham Young University and having all of those sports fans at a rival university honor Lauren before the game. And to see uh, Mitchell, our superstar basketball player for the NBA Utah Jazz, honor Lauren uh, in on his uniform the night of the game, right after her her passing. That was see, well, just to 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 acknowledge the, the the superstar young woman she was off the track, and that's why I made such a big deal about you and your husband and your family, and how she was raised in this in this family of faith and family of ambition and family of, of brilliance. And uh, we need to do everything we know how to do to put individuals like Lauren up on a pedestal and continuously teach our young women that they really can be all that they can be, that they were born to be just like Lauren was. So let's, let's wind down our, our interview here, my dear, with, with the conversation about how we can support the Lauren McCleskey Foundation and tell us about what its purpose is, you know, obviously selfishly, selfishly wanting you to, you know, admit that she volunteered with the Special Olympics and that she volunteered at the Humane Society. And those were just the things that not a whole lot of the world knew. But when I found them out, I just smiled. I wasn't surprised. I just said, yep, that's Lauren. But teach us how we can support you as a mom, as a grieving mom. Again, I'm I'm going to keep reaching out to you, my friend. Of just make sure that you know I'll do whatever I can do to support your family. And if you ever need, you know that that extra shoulder to cry on, or some way I can get involved, you know I'm here for you. I'm such a fan of Lauren. So how can we talk to us just for a minute about the Lauren McCluskey Foundation, its true focus and purpose, and how we can really get involved? Because you said it's a national movement now, originating at the University of Utah campus. Yeah. Let's take it nationwide. Okay. Well, we are um, we are starting small, but we hope to we hope to be nationwide. We uh, the Lauren McCluskey Foundation has three missions and they're inspired by her. So the first one is of course campus safety to improve campus safety so we don't have another tragedy. We don't want this to ever happen again. The cost was too much. But we will we will have um we will save other young women because of this. And the second the second mission is uh to help animal welfare. So Lauren, Lauren um, volunteered at the Humane Society. And so um, we, that's another one of our missions. And we, um, 
people have donated to, um, for example, to they built a cat wing in um, in Pullman. So there's a building that's actually named after her in in Pullman for that is uh, helps cats to be adopted where she where she volunteered. And other people are doing similar things, and that's more regionally. And then the last part is that we want to support support athletes, amateur athletes, and a focus on women, but it could be, but not limited to women, it could be young men too. But um, we are, we are, um, we've already um, helped um, underprivileged athletes in track and field in at the high school level travel to um, travel to compete nationally. And, um, and we are, we are um, personally um, also just raising funds for scholarships for, um, for female athletes. And we, we actually have a endowed scholarship in her name at the University of Utah with, at, in their track, in their track program. Um, some of the things that we're doing for campus safety so far, we've, um, we've developed a, um, a syllabus statement called, that's called Lauren's Promise. And, and um, it's been adopted at, by faculty at more than 35 universities um, around the world. And uh, at a number of the Pac-12 universities, the Associated Students passed that they wanted it to be on all syllabus statements, I mean, on all university syllabus. So it basically says that um, if someone is threatening you, I will listen and I will help. So it, um, it's the professor, the professor can put that on their syllabus and so that the student knows that, that they, that the professor cares and it invites, and it invites the, the person, the student to ask for help. And, um, and I, I've had, I've had a few um, faculty have told me that it's already made a difference that, um, that, that young women have come to them and when they probably went in the past and said, um, this is what's happening and they were connected, they were connected with help. And if, I feel like if, a, if Lauren had also gone to a professor or had gone to a coach, she didn't, she just went to the police, but maybe they would have paid more attention to her if they had, if they had, if she'd had that extra help, um, we're also we're also um, partnering with um, with some other with some other organizations to uh, to figure out best practices, and we're working with um, some of the legislat legislators, including at the um, state legislators at the uh, state of Utah. So uh, Jenny Iwamoto wrote the campus safety bill. We're working with her. She's working on another bill. Uh, and we are, uh, one thing that we're interested in too is having a, uh, a student sort of crowdsourcing um, contest to have new, new ideas for how to um, improve campus safety. Because I think students have great ideas and we, they can be, they can be our, um, Part of our our research department, so um, we want to get students at the University of Utah, but at other universities also, to think about how in communication in um, in um, digital online computer science. 
So we're thinking about all these different things and um, and just trying trying to make a difference. So how, do you have a, a, a source, an online source uh, where oh, you could yes. accept donations from yes. those who listen so we can support this Lauren McCluskey Foundation? Yes, so it's uh, laurenmccluskey.org. So L-A-U-R-E-N McCluskey, M-C-C-L-U-S-K-E-Y.org. So all one word. And then another thing we will, we've so far we've done one, one um, Laura McCluskey race for campus safety. And uh, in Pullman, we're in Pullman, Washington, where she's from, uh, we'll do that again. But uh, after the pandemic, we'd like to do races in, in more cities, including in Salt Lake. So uh, we will, we'll be looking for, um, looking for volunteers as we go forward to, in that too. And you'll tap, You'll tap into me because I'm at the top of the list. Please tell me so. I definitely will. <laughs> well, we're uh, we're we're we've come to the end of the of the podcast, and I I just uh, I love you. I honor your family. You're so amazing, and you know, hopefully, you'll reread that tribute I wrote about Lauren, heartfelt, and uh, she really made a difference and to see every one of the 25 students the other 24 students in that night class where i taught to have them each reach out to me and to show up at the vigil the candle vigil that we held at the steps of of the park building the administration building and i i don't know if they would do that for everyone but they sure did it for lauren and she will never be forgotten, you know that, and we'll just do our best to continuously keep her mind and her mission, uh, her, her name, her, her personality, her heart in front of the world, and I appreciate you for being with us, Jill. You're so amazing. You're amazing yourself, and you inspire me, and uh, I. this has been really great for me to talk with you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, that's good. Yeah, put put you on the spot. One last question. What's your takeaway? What do you want to leave with the world? What's your one message to the world on behalf of Lauren and, and your family? My main message is just to care about each other and let her light shine through you with your kindness to others. I love it. So my friends, my listeners, my ladies and gentlemen, my guest has been Jill McCluskey, Dr. Jill McCluskey, extraordinary human being, but more importantly, the mother of uh, the fallen Lauren McCluskey, superstar student athlete, an extraordinary human being at the University of Utah, tragically lost her life. Let's keep the McCluskeys in your prayers and please donate generously to the Lauren McCluskey Foundation And uh, I can't wait to see what we can do together to keep her ripples alive, my dear. Have a great day, and thanks for joining me. Thank you so much. The views and opinions expressed on the Power Players podcast do not necessarily reflect those of KUTV or Sinclair Broadcast Group.